What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today's episode is the product of me procrastinating. I might be off schedule when this episode comes out. I apologize. I am a type 2A. We are procrastinators. I do not like doing things this way. I've there's there's actually let me just go into a quick tangent. If you're new to the show, welcome. I, I go on tangents all the time. We're just going to get right into the tangent talk. Um, when we talk about neurotyping and, and your personality type, a lot of the times people think, okay, well, this is just how I am. So it's okay, even if the behaviors and patterns are destructive. And that's really missing the point of what makes neurotyping and understanding your personality so powerful. What I like to prefer or what I prefer uh, from a perspective standpoint is that I know I'm this way. So now I can put the frameworks and tools in place to play to my strengths and overcome my weaknesses. Personally, one of my weaknesses is procrastination. One of my weaknesses um, is people pleasing. One of my weaknesses is having a hard time setting boundaries, which goes back to people pleasing. These are all things that I'm aware of. So I am actively putting the pieces in place to overcome those weaknesses while I play to my strengths. The strengths are when I'm up against the deadline, when my back's up against the wall, I can perform really well because I'm adrenaline dominant. So I get in that zone and I can just execute. The problem is if I don't have a deadline, I will just keep pushing things back. Now, one way that I've tried to combat that is by setting deadlines for myself So oftentimes going into a weekend, I say, okay, the deadline for recording this podcast is X date, which typically it's Friday. And that way I can have all of the um, audio touches done for the episode to release on Monday. This weekend got away from me. And even with my deadline, you know, know, in, in the back of my head, I'm like, well, it's kind of an arbitrary deadline. I don't really need to stick to it. And things were busy and just going through some personal stuff. And, and I just wasn't getting it done and shit happens. But the key is that more often than not, if I stay true to my deadlines and set those boundaries, then I'm going to be consistent. Like one week of screwing up is not the definition of failure. That just means I should learn from it and do better next time, which I'm hoping to do. And this week really has been a great reminder for myself I have not been motivated at all to train. I have been completely disengaged at the gym. I posted to my stories the other day, like my desire to train was a two out of 10 and that's going to happen. And, and to be fair, you know, my, my desire to get shit done in general has been very low. I've just been kind of not really in it, like kind of checked out mentally. And we all go through phases like this. And, and I'm only saying that as a reminder that, you know, we're, we're human. And if you think that you're always going to be motivated to train, or if you think that you're always going to be in the right mindset to get shit done, like that is so unsustainable and unrealistic. We have to have things, we have to have frameworks in place that allow us to perform at our worst. Does that make sense? Like using the gym example, if I'm always expected to be at my best, then that's a terrible plan. But if I have a workout schedule that allows me to still get shit done at my worst, that's a great plan. So even on the day where I'm a two out of 10, I know I can still get it done. I'm going to go and it's not going to be 
an amazing set the world on fire type of workout. It's going to be more of a go through the motions type of workout. And that's okay. There's going to be days like that. But my plan is such that even on my worst day, when I'm a two out of 10, I can still get it done because I'm not setting the bar too high. I'm not setting unrealistic standards. I'm not expecting myself to be perfect. And I am just learning from the fact that I can get shit done even on my worst day. And that's really of of this whole ramble. The take home message is be able to get shit done even on your worst day, but you have to know what that is. You have to know what those things are on your worst day. Because if you're just leaving it up to the moment, you're probably going to just bail on everything. But if you know, if you have clear bumpers or pillars or whatever you want to call them in place, anchors, and you're like, even on my worst day, I know I can get these one to two things done. And I still consider that winning the day. That's amazing. I call it the minimum effective dose. You have to know your minimum effective dose for areas of your life. What's your minimum effective dose for training? What's your minimum effective dose for work? What's your minimum effective dose for your relationship? These are all things that you should consider. And and even when you're at your worst, you can still do those things that will move your relationship, your fitness, your work life forward. Hopefully that makes sense. And let's just bring it back around full circle. I procrastinated. I'm sorry, uh, but we're here. Anyway, if you enjoy the episode, it always means the world to me. If you share, I've gotten some incredible messages from new listeners. Welcome. If that is you, I really appreciate the time and energy that you spend uh, listening to me ramble. Uh, It still amazes me that anybody would listen to what I have to say, but here we are. And uh, the show keeps growing, which is a beautiful thing. So the way that we continue that growth is you help me out and pay it forward by sharing with somebody that you think would be interested. You can just send them an episode link and tell them to check it out. Or you can take a screenshot of the episode and post it to your stories on Instagram. If you do that, make sure you tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And of course, if you want to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing and greatly appreciated. So One of the things I want to talk about, this is going to sound very much like life advice, but hopefully you understand if you extract the lesson here, this is really telling you exactly what you need to be successful in your fitness and nutrition journey. This is it. Like it will sound very much like life advice, but it is directly related to knowing for certain what works for you when it comes to nutrition and training. Now, actually, this is totally unplanned, but I'm sitting here in a Sixers t-shirt. I'm from right outside of Philadelphia. I've lived here basically my whole life. Um, born right outside of Philadelphia. Well, actually I was born in Philadelphia, lived right, right outside of Philadelphia. And then the only time that I was outside of this area was for college. I went to University of Maryland. Um, I was there for four years, actually five years because I stayed an extra year as my girlfriend at the time, who then became my wife, who is now my ex-wife, um, she went through a five-year program. So I stayed an extra year in Maryland. So I was in Maryland for five years. We came back to the Philadelphia area. Um, we actually moved to Philadelphia and then we moved to the suburbs. And then we had a very short period of time in, or I did, I should say, I had a very short period of time in Southern California, Orange County, Newport Beach, if anybody's familiar with the area. That was I'm talking about like several months. And then my wife and I, um, at the time, separated. I moved back east. She stayed out west. We got divorced. 
here we are. I'm back in this area. This is all relevant to the story somewhat anyway. <laughs> um, so I'm sitting here in a Sixers t-shirt. And if anybody knows anything about the Sixers, they have made this phrase very popular because the Sixers went through this rebuilding process. And if you don't know in basketball, um, when your team sucks, you get a very high draft pick. And draft picks are great for rebuilding. So if you have a shitty team, you have greater odds of getting a high draft pick. If you select well in the draft, you can completely turn your franchise around. Um, so the Sixers started going through this process where they were actually, they were kind of in this like purgatory of being average. Like they weren't shitty enough to get really high picks and they weren't good enough to make any significant run into the playoffs or win championships or anything like that. They were just kind of stuck in this purgatory of like not really being able to move the needle one way or the other. So they went through this rebuild period where they actually started tanking. They got rid of some, some decent players and put together not the best roster and were basically the worst team in the NBA for maybe two to three years with the objective of getting really high picks to rebuild the team. And as a fan base, it's very difficult to see your team lose a lot of games and not be frustrated. And so the, the front office and the ownership, like they started this whole campaign of trust the process. They're like, Hey, this is the process. Like we're, we have to go through these shitty seasons. This is the process. Just trust the process. Right? So they would get these number one picks. They would get really high draft picks. Same thing. They would go through another terrible year, get a high draft pick. Right? So one of their draft picks was Joel Embiid, who a lot of people know now. And like, he's nicknamed the process because this was like what they used to highlight the fact that the process was working, right? We got this superstar. He should have won MVP this year, even though he finished second. Uh, and they have a, a good team, uh, good enough to make it, you know, relatively deep into the playoffs. And I think they're one to two pieces of what pieces away from actually contending for a championship. But anyway, the point of this story is trust the process and this whole idea of, just trust it. Right. And that was, that was the whole thing, like telling the city and the fan base who's very passionate about basketball to just trust the process, even though you're losing every game, that can be a tough pill to swallow. And we're just supposed to watch this team shit to bed every night because it's the process. So we just have to trust it. Now you would think because I am a diehard Sixers fan, you would think that I would love this concept of trusting the process. In fact, it's the opposite. I fucking hate it. I cannot stand that phrase. And the, the whole issue that I have is when you say trust the process, what if it's a shitty process? What if it's not the right process, but we're supposed to just trust it blindly? Says who and why? For what reason? And interestingly enough, when I worked for another nutrition coaching company. And I use that term very lightly when I say nutrition coaching. Um, I don't know if I would use the, the, that term to describe what they do. Um, what they do is more, I don't know, people destructing uh, because nobody is successful in that program. And they end up creating a lot of body image issues, disordered eating and body weight gain, losing weight, gaining it back, 
feeling frustrated, being the ones to beat themselves up and all that stuff. It's, it's not a pretty sight anyway. So when I say nutrition coaching company, um, I am using that term loosely. Anyway, they used to say the same thing. They used to say, trust the process all the time. And now here's an, a perfect example because an individual would be on their program, really uncomfortable, right? Let's say this person came with the goal of fat loss and they would give them some macro plan and they would keep force feeding them. And the individual would say like, hey, you know what? I'm not hungry, but yet I, I know you keep telling me I have to hit my, my macro goals, but I'm just not hungry. And I find myself forcing food at all hours of the day and night. And even like before bed, when I'm really stuffed, then I'm like eating a bowl of rice or cereal just to hit my numbers. And is that okay? And the coach quote, I'm using air quotes when I say coach, uh, a coach would come in and say, yes, trust the process, right? Like what the fuck? That is not okay. Your body is telling you clearly something's not right. Red flag, red flag. Hey, we're not hungry. And they're just like, yeah, trust the process. Hit these arbitrary numbers that may not be the right numbers for you. And then what would happen is the person would listen, right? Because they want to be compliant. They're like, okay, well, I just have to trust the process. So they would keep doing it. And then they would gain weight. And then they would gain more weight. And they'd be like, um, hello, can somebody help me out here? Because my goal was fat loss. And now I'm like 20 pounds heavier. What am I supposed to do? And again, the coach would say, trust the process. And then what would happen is they would take them into a fat loss phase. They would go from one extreme of overstuffing them to the other extreme of starvation and taking all like not just little moderate deficit here. It would be like slash and burn. We're taking away all of your food. So now this person would go from completely overstuffed and gaining weight to completely underfed, ravenous, lack of energy, intense cravings. But they, again, were trying to be compliant. So it's like, and then the coach would be like, hey, this is what you wanted, right? Trust the process. And over time, there are certain individuals that could suck it up long enough and, and just, they would tell themselves like, is it me? Am I the issue? And because of this whole trust the process slogan, they would really feel like it was their own fault. So what would inevitably happen is they would lose some of the weight that they gained, but the fat loss phase was so unsustainable that eventually they would bail, they would tap out, they go right back in to the overfeeding, gaining more weight. So typically what happens with most people in that program is they end up a lot heavier than when they started, or they become so obsessed with tracking all of these little micro pieces of data that are pretty irrelevant that they just become perfectionist, they become anxiety-ridden, horrible relationship with food, and they never actually achieve their goals. And the problem, the root of the problem is never solved, but we're supposed to just trust that process. And that, in a nutshell, is why I can't stand that phrase. Now, here's the other issue when you say trust the process. I'm going to tell you a better way of looking at this. Again, this is more about life than it is about fitness and nutrition, but it absolutely applies to uncovering exactly what works best for you. Saying trust the process is actually a victim statement because if you are blindly trusting somebody else's way of doing things, you are abdicating responsibility. Now, in this scenario, 
They are trying to make you the victim, but you have to co-sign. Nobody gets to just make you a victim, right? You have to co-sign that role. So if they say, trust the process, and you're like, okay, I'm going to trust the process, you're now abdicating responsibility when it doesn't work. It's their fault, right? You get to point the finger, but it's actually your responsibility. It's your responsibility to communicate. It's your responsibility to tell them, I'm not willing to do this because it's not working and it's making me feel like shit. When you take the role of, I'm just going to blindly trust the process because that's what somebody is telling me to do, you're abdicating responsibility. You're like, well, if it doesn't work, it's all their fault. No, it might be their fault. They may have set you up with a shitty plan, but it's still your responsibility. So how do we take this? Because when you're dealing with quality coaching, there are going to be things that feel uncomfortable. For example, a lot of our clients come to us from a underfed background, meaning they've been dieting a long time. They've been chronically under eating. They've had trouble staying consistent because they're always trying to eat too little. And then that causes them to overeat and they end up in this restricted binge cycle. Or they just don't really have a plan that's right for them. Maybe they've done some macro coaching, but they've never had the personalization that is truly required to see long-term results, like actually figuring out how to make this a lifestyle and not just a temporary fix. So a lot of our clients come to us in that way, and we have to work to repair some of the damage that was done from previous diets. It's why your diet history and your current metabolic state are really important to, to know before you just jump into a program. So we want to assess those things. And oftentimes when we tell a client that we're going to get them eating more gradually over time to improve body composition, that goes against everything that they've ever heard before. They're like, wait a minute. No, everybody I've ever talked to has told me that I need to eat less and move more to lose weight. And even though that's not true, they believe it to be true. So when we say, we're actually going to get you eating a little bit more. We're going to solidify some habits. We're going to take care of your metabolism. We're going to put your body in a position where it actually responds to fat loss, where we're removing stress from your system. We're not putting you into a more stressful environment. We're actually taking away stress. We're solidifying habits. We're fueling your body appropriately. We're prioritizing recovery. And the best part is you're going to feel a million times better and you're going to look a million times better. And they're like, okay, that sounds amazing, but it also sounds kind of ridiculous. Like I've always been told to cut calories. I've always been told to increase my cardio. And we're saying, stop, we're actually going to do the opposite. So what we don't want you to do and what we don't want our clients to do is to just blindly trust the process. So what's the, what's the solution here? Because quality coaching might sound a little bit like, I don't know, that's scary. I don't know if that's going to work. But here's what we do. We engage the process. Very different. And this is the approach that everyone needs to take if you want to find the solution for yourself. If you want to know exactly what works best for you and you are working with a coach, which everybody should be, like, why are we making this more difficult than it needs to be? Work with a good coach, get to where you want to be, learn how to do this forever, and you're done. Like, that's it. I don't know why we overcomplicate this. 
That's literally the shortcut that everybody's been looking for. And nobody wants to take the step to do it. Um, you know, our, our clients that work with us, there's a reason why six months, nine months, 12 months, that's it. So it's a, a year out of your life to never have to deal with this shit again, to never have to stress and deal with this ever again. It's probably worth it. Anyway, so you're working with a coach. It doesn't have to be us, anybody, any coaching program. Engage the process. That is an active stance where you take the process and you actually engage it, meaning how is this making me feel? How does this fit within my life? How does this fit within my values? Is there a principle that I can extract and change the method based off of my own needs, right? What do I mean by that? There can be a principle of like moving your body more, okay? That's daily movement can just be a principle. Now, let's say you have a plan. It's like, hey, you know, daily movement is really important. So we're going to set you up with cardio every morning. And you're like, actually, my schedule sucks in the morning. There's no way I'm getting up and doing cardio. Instead of just trusting the process, engage the process and realize that I can still extract this principle of daily movement and I can make it my own. I can put my own stamp on it. I can walk in the afternoon. I can take breaks during my workday and take short walks. I can get my cardio in later if that if you want to do cardio, right? Like take the principle and extract the value from it and put your own stamp on it. We're not just trusting the process. We're engaging the process. We're seeing, hey, you know what? This doesn't make me feel good. I've tried going through this process, but I just don't feel great. Okay, amazing. Let's like, awesome. We have that feedback. Let's learn from it and let's see how we can adjust. That is actively engaging in the process. You're no longer the victim of just blindly trusting. You are taking an active role in making the process your own. Everybody, like, there's no new information out there. Everything has been said before. Everything has been done before. The key is, how do you make it your own? How do you take these principles and apply them to yourself? And that's the thought process. Rather than just blindly following, okay, I have to hit these exact macros every single day. Well, what's, what's the principle here? The principle is having some knowledge of how much you're consuming on a daily basis. The principle could be making sure you're eating enough protein. The principle could be making sure you're eating high quality foods and getting in enough veggies, right? These are all principles that we can then say, how do I make this my own? I had a conversation with somebody, um, you know, she messaged me and She's like, I am so fed up with tracking. Do I have to track if I join your program? Absolutely not. And it was like, she kept pushing back and she's like, wait a minute. Like, what's, like, what's your process though? Like, what's the way? We're like, uh, the way is that we find exactly what works for you as an individual because everybody's different. And nobody likes to hear that. It's not, it's not black and white because the magic happens in the gray. Magic happens somewhere in the middle. And she's like, so you're telling me that I don't have to track to see progress. I was like, absolutely not. We have plenty of clients that crush without tracking. It's a tool that we have for the right person, but let's extract the principle and then apply it to that person's individual needs. 
And that's the process. That's engaging the process, giving feedback, saying, you know what? This doesn't feel great. You know what? This doesn't fit my schedule. This doesn't fit my lifestyle. This doesn't. And then it's a back and forth. It's a collaborative process of refining and learning and failing and learning again and refining again until we make the process totally your own. And that is exactly how you get to the place that you want to be, exactly where you want to be with a plan that suits your needs and your lifestyle and your values. That's how we do this forever. We engage the process because if it's a shitty process, I don't want you blindly trusting it. That makes you the victim. That is abdicating responsibility. Even if it's not your fault, it is always, always, always your responsibility. So there's another concept here where we have to look at this forever lens of if I'm following a process, if I'm engaging in a process, we have to filter this through the lens of forever. Am I doing this forever? Right? Because if we say, okay, I want to lose, you know, 20 pounds and I want to lose it in six months, whatever the timeline is, doesn't really matter. I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to do it in six months. Okay. That's very realistic. Now, if I told you to eliminate all carbs, to start intermittent fasting, to start training seven days a week, right? These are all very risky propositions because if your goal is to lose 20 pounds, we might be able to get there with that plan, but we won't be able to sustain it. Because if that doesn't fit your lifestyle, if that's not something you can see yourself doing forever, then why are we doing it at all? Now, the big distinction here is where do you fall on this continuum of explore versus exploit? Now, this is a concept that I got from a mentor of mine. Um, his name is Nick Peterson, very smart guy. And um, he calls it the explore exploit continuum. And what that means is that when you have a specific goal and outcome that you are trying to accomplish, you are now in the exploit continuum. Like we're trying to exploit a path to get to the goal. And when we're in that exploit continuum, we want it to be sustainable. So that's where we look at the forever lens, right? If you know you have an outcome, like I want to gross a million dollars in my business and I want to do it in two years or whatever, you're in the exploit phase. So now we're trying to exploit a path that gets you to a million dollars that you can sustain because doing some unsustainable stuff like, okay, great. You got to the million dollars, but what is like, if you can't sustain it, is it really worth having in the first place? Same thing with weight loss. If we got you to 20 pounds down, right? I could just tell you to go do OptiV. You'd probably lose 20 pounds and then you'd gain back 60. Is that really what you want? Probably not. Okay. So when you're in the exploit side of the continuum, you're exploiting a path to get to your goal. And we have to be very careful about the path that we take because we have to filter it through that lens of sustainability. Now, when we are in the explore side of the continuum, we remove the outcome. And that's when you can do temporary things without any worry about long-term sustainability. What do I mean by that? You know, if I were to say, I wonder what would happen if I went keto for a month. 
Okay. I wonder what would happen if I went keto for a month. I use that example because I actually did that. I only lasted three weeks, but I, my thought process was, I wonder what would happen if I did keto for a month. Notice there was no attachment to a goal. I didn't put an outcome on the end of it. It's literally exploratory. I wonder what would happen. It doesn't have to be sustainable. I'm literally just testing what would happen. I'm not saying I want to do keto to lose weight because that's an outcome focus. I'm not saying I want to do keto to to achieve X, Y, Z. It doesn't matter. It's exploratory. I wonder what would happen if I did this for this amount of time. And then you see, right? It's like just doing some scientific research. Like I'm an N of one and I'm going through this study. Same thing with, you know, the business example. I wonder what would happen if I recorded three podcast episodes a week, right? No attachment to the, any outcome, but just saying like, I wonder what would happen if, and then you observe and you use that information however you please. Because when you're on the explore side, you have all of these different options and they don't have to be sustainable. You're just exploring. You're not attaching an outcome to it. You don't care what the result is. You're literally in exploratory mode. So understand the difference between am I in the exploit side of the continuum or I, or am I on the explore side? The exploit side of the continuum, you're married to an outcome. You have a clear target and a goal that you're working towards. And we have to come up with the most sustainable path to get there, which is why we wouldn't want to do something that we're not willing to do forever. When you're on the explore side, I wonder what would happen if, I wonder what would happen if I remove dairy from my diet. I wonder what would happen if I went keto. You know, all of these things are exploratory. You don't have to have an outcome. Now, I think a lot of us would benefit from entering that side, the exploratory side more frequently. Like we don't have to attach everything to an outcome. We can say, I wonder what would happen if I did X, Y, and Z, remove the outcome and just see for yourself what the results would be. I wonder what would happen if I signed up for coaching, right? Go into that process and just say, I wonder what would happen if, and now you're like ready to tackle this whole thing as a test. Like, let's just see what would happen. I wonder what would happen if I started taking Organifi green juice every, every morning, right? You're not saying I want to take Organifi green juice so that I lose 20 pounds, right? Just go in with the exploratory mindset of, I wonder what would happen if, I wonder what would happen if I took greens juice every morning, if I had my greens juice every single morning and then see how you feel, do it for a month. What's 30 days. Like you can test anything for a short period of time, which is like people who give up alcohol and, and then their friends are like, well, are you going to stop drinking forever? And they're like, no, but I just want to see what happens if I did this thing. You're not attaching it to an outcome. So I wonder what would happen if I took Organifi Greens Juice every single morning. Do it. Try it for yourself. We just so happen to have an amazing deal with Organifi so you can get 20% off. Now, they have a promo going on right now that is pretty insane. When you buy green juice, you get either Harmony or Glow for 40% off. So we already give you 20% off. And then if you buy greens juice, you also get Harmony or Glow for 40% off. If you buy two canisters of greens, you can do Harmony and Glow or two canisters of, of 
one or the other at 40% off. Um, there, the Harmony is for hormonal balancing. Highly recommend. Mel takes that. She loves it. Um, the Glow is for skincare. Um, so if that's your thing, try that out. But the Greens is amazing. I would say go in with the exploratory mindset of, I wonder what would happen if I took this supplement for 30 days and then see for yourself what the difference is and then make a decision. I call that soft offense. It's like we're, we're playing a little bit of soft offense. We're not doing a full court press, but we're just seeing what happens. And I actually got that concept from Dr. Jeff Spencer. So I don't want to take credit for it, but I love the term soft offense. It's like, we're putting a little pressure on the situation to see how it unfolds. I wonder what would happen if um, you can get your 20% off greens, 20% off site wide right now. Um, and they also have free shipping for any order over $250. Go to Organifi.com slash popfam. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash P-O-P-F-A-M and use code popfam at checkout. You're not going to find a better time. And this is limited, by the way. So I think this special ends um, the 14th, I believe, of July. Uh, so you got to hustle up. We always have the 20% off, but being able to get that plus 40% off either Harmony or Glow plus free shipping on any order over $250 is pretty amazing. Um, so take advantage of that. Go in with the exploratory mindset of, I wonder what if, I wonder what would happen if I did this for this amount of time and see for yourself and then make a decision. Um, so take advantage of that. Organifi.com slash popfam. Use code popfam at checkout. Uh, let me just elaborate a tiny bit on this concept of soft offense. Soft offense is an amazing tool to implement when you have a tough decision to make. When you're struggling with a decision, playing soft offense is like putting a little bit of pressure on the options and seeing which one comes to the forefront. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example on the spot here. Well, let's say you're uh, you're a business owner and you're trying to hire two different candidates and you're like, man, this is... It's such a tough decision. I don't know what to do. Um, I'm, I'm really struggling. Let me apply some soft offense here because you could go either way and you don't want to get it wrong. And this is an important hire. And you're like, these two candidates are like dead even. Okay. So playing soft offense would be you put a little pressure on the situation. Let's say you give them both an assignment and you're like, hey, this is what I need you both to do right now. Typically, when you put a little pressure, right, you're not going full court press. You're just a little, a little challenge, a little assignment and see how they respond to it. One of them might be like, well, why am I doing this? And the other one might rise to the occasion or one of them might just kind of check the box and the other one might go above and beyond. And that might show you something like, hey, this is the person. Okay. It's a little bit of soft offense. You put pressure on the situation to see if the decision starts to move in one direction or the other. It's like, um, you're trying to decide whether you should join coaching or not. Playing soft offense is like, all right, well, I checked out the content that this person creates. I listened to their podcast. I read their emails. I read their Instagram posts. And you're still not sure. You're like, I kind of want to do it, but I don't. Playing soft offense is schedule a call, fill out an application, get on the phone, talk, right? You're, you're putting pressure on the situation. Do I like what I hear? Did this make the decision come to the forefront now? that might not be enough soft offense. You might have to take it one step further. Like, hey, is it cool if I join for three months just to see, you know, that's soft offense. You're not making the full six or 12 month commitment, but you're like, let me play a little soft offense and get myself in this. 
to see if this is really the direction that I want to go long-term. So let me start with 90 days and then I might commit to the year if this goes well. And if not, it's not as big of a commitment. So you're playing a little bit of soft offense. Again, I love this concept when you're in a tough decision-making situation where you're like, I don't know if I should do this or this. Play soft offense, put a little pressure on the situation and see if the decision comes to the forefront. And if one moves to the background, typically that's what happens. Um, if you need help implementing that, or you like, or if you're currently struggling with a decision right now and you're on the fence, actually message me because I will give you some feedback on how to play soft offense to make these decisions. Uh, because the worst thing that you can do is no decision. I think hopefully everybody knows that by now. Indecision is literally the worst decision. Any decision is better than no decision because no decision, you learn nothing. You stay in the same place the same struggle, the same pain, making the wrong decision, you will quickly learn it's the wrong decision and you will be able to course correct and move forward from there. So rather than just making no decision, hit me up on Instagram. Tell me what's going on. I'll tell you how to play soft offense and hopefully I can help you make better decisions um, or at least just you know give you a tool for, um, you know, for future situations that you might find yourself in. Anyway, Uh, Hopefully this episode was somewhat valuable. I know that it's more general concepts that might not be as specific as some might like, um, but that's okay. This is the stuff that I feel like needs to be talked about because we're human and we fuck up a lot and we self-sabotage and we get in our own way and we're emotional and we're all over the place and we need frameworks and we need concepts to help us stay on track. And really it's not necessarily staying on track, but it's identifying sooner when you're acting out of alignment and being able to pull yourself back in alignment quicker. The more that we can condense that time frame, like self-awareness hits quicker than it used to. You're, you're identifying your blind spots quicker than you used to. You're not allowing yourself to act out of alignment as long as you used to. That's all progress, right? If it, if it took you six months to get unstuck at one point in time, and now it takes you three months to get unstuck. That's progress. That's a win. And then if we get that down to a month, that's more progress, right? You understand? So that's why I talk about these concepts. I feel like it's super helpful, even if it's a little bit uh, less tangible. Hopefully you can take the lesson and apply it to yourself. If this is helpful in any way, please let me know. Hit me up. Best way to do that is on Instagram at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And I will talk to you all very soon.